Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Rain, rain, go away. I think that's what we're all saying, aren't we, at the moment? On the way in today, the floods on the roads. Unbelievable. And I will say it again. Great little country. Any amount of water. If you hear about restrictions or hose by bands, think of these days in November when we are just drowned. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us again this week. Lots of guests lined up over the uh, coming days. And it's great to have you with us every afternoon. I have to say, if you want to get in touch, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, I begin my show today with two simply wonderful people that I've spoken to down the years. And when I remind you again that they lost both of their sons, Patrick, 33, was killed in a single vehicle collision near Kilberry Cross in Navin in 2013. And a couple of years previously, on the 4th of June 2011, a day they will never forget, their other son, 22-year-old Gavin, was murdered in cold blood by Conor McClelland. Mr McClelland has been in jail since, but is due for parole soon. And I am delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch today, Helena and Jerry O'Connor. Hello, folks. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. And nice to hear both of you again today. Thank you so much for joining me. Helena, if I could start with yourself. This guy is due for parole. This 12 years is in now. It's a minimum of 12 years they have to serve before they can go looking for parole. And I know That's previously right, you said to me, and I remember you saying to me, you and, and, and it's been written about extensively, that you were fearing meeting this guy, you know what I mean, in the street or wherever when, when he was released. But you're now saying you would like to face him? I would like to sit in front of him, Jerry, and look him in the eyes and ask him why. Why did he do such a thing? As far as I'm concerned, he's never, ever shown any remorse. And to me, he should not be released. He has never shown any remorse. He pleaded not guilty at the trial. He pleaded not guilty and the whole way throughout the trial, he 
kept giving us in the courtroom evil looks, is all I can say. He kept giving us. And when the video footage was up of Gavin coming down the street in Carrick and going back to his car, he stood flat looking at the floor. And when the video footage was up of him leaving the car park and coming down Farney Street, he sat up straight and watched the whole video footage of himself. It's horrendous to even try and contemplate, you know, this man and the way he's dealt with it ever since. Do you think he might have changed in the interim? Well, I personally don't believe he has changed. But Mm. as I say, Jerry, we we have a liaison officer within the prison service, but unless I contact them, I don't hear from them. They're supposed to keep me up to date on his whereabouts and what's going on with him, but they don't. I actually had to send an email a few months ago to see what was happening with him. Has he been up again on front of the parole board or what was happening? And they just sent me back an email because we didn't know whether the new law would affect him or not because he had already been up for parole and was due again on front of the parole board last year. So we didn't know whether the implementation of new law was going to affect him, but it seemingly does because he'll have his 12 years served next June and he's up for parole in April. And is it true that in the interim, you mentioned you've been contacting them there, you, you've had to co- contact them on a regular basis, do, do you know, to keep this in focus and to let them understand well, that you're you're still keen to be involved in this? Well, you see, last year he was due back up in front of the parole board and we all did victim impact statements. My, myself and Jerry did a joint one, Jude did one, Aoife did one and my sister Liz did one because she was Gavin's godmother and she was very close to Gavin. And they were all submitted and we never heard another word until there at Gavin's anniversary this year I emailed the liaison officer to ask what was the story with Conor McClelland or what was going on with him and she sent me back to say he'll have his 12 years served in June 2023 and he'll be up in front of the parole board in April. But yourself and Jerry ha- are entitled to meet with the board. Oh, and- yeah, just yes. came in with the new law. We now can register. Well, I have did tell the liaison officer I had to give her consent to send our details to the parole board. Mm. And we can meet with the parole board. We can have legal representation with us. And it's free. We don't have to pay for it. Now, we can have our own or they can provide one. Mm. And... We can have our victim impact statements and talk to them about the impact this has had on our lives. Yeah. Jerry's beside you. Would you pass your phone to him? Would you mind doing that for me? Just no, not at all. He went into the sitting room and closed the door. <laughs> no, tell him, <laughs> tell him, to, tell him to come back here, yeah, grab him there and put him onto your phone because yeah, we have a great line with you there. We have. Yeah, take my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. Jerry, now I have you loud and clear. Good man yourself. Thanks a million. Jerry, just to come to you, Helena's been telling us there about, you know, you're right and you're both going to meet the parole board. There's been victim impact statements have happened already. What do you hope to achieve from the meeting with the parole board? What do you want them to take on board? I want them to know, Jerry, that he, he slaughtered our son. The word more the, the two mile the word for what he done. And he should never get out because he was bad before he was arrested and he, he wouldn't have changed. He never showed any remorse. He never said he was sorry. He thinks if he sits in there and he's quiet, they think he's a lovely chap and they let him out. But it's wrong. We're sick all the time. All the time. Every week there's another murder and it brings us right back to where we were. And it, it's not going to change. Mm. So 
It's a terrible thing. And every two years, as I said, we have to do a victim impact statement because he has nothing else to do when he's sitting there looking for the day he's going to get out. And, and Terry, I, I don't mean to bring this up, but just for yes. listeners who mightn't be familiar, your son was asleep in the back of the car. This one got into the car, drove off with your son in the back, and then they, he drove the car over his head and he bashed him with a rock. He did five rocks. Three to size your fist and two to size your shoe. But again, we don't know where he got the rocks. We don't know when he's done it. All we know is they got the fellow that done it, so you don't need to know anymore. Mm. But uh, it, it didn't happen in Kite Macross. It happened for out in this doing in a lovely little village. But yet, he was asleep in his car in Kite Macross on Barney Street. Yes. And there's no way he knocked on the door, got in and drove out the road, and Gavin sitting beside him. He was assaulted in Kite Macross. <laughs> but who made the tie apart together? Mm. You know, it's done and dusted now, and, and we have to carry the pain. As I said, the shock wears off, but the reality kicks in, and it's with you forever. Does go away. No, does not. No. It's terrible. No, terrible. It is. And every week there's somebody else murdered, and, and we're right back at the beginning, and we feel for all them poor innocent people. And I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't know when it's going to stop. So, Jerry, your your wish is that this man remains behind bars for the rest of his days? Well, I certainly wouldn't like to see him out in my time anyway. That's for sure. As I said, I'm getting old, I'm moving on, and I'm beginning to forget things. But this thing will never go away. It'll always be there. Always be there. Of course it will. Of course it will. Just pop me back to Helena, would you please, Jerry, for a second? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Helena. Um, I come back to that prospect if he were to walk and you were to come across him or Jerry yeah that must be in your mind always is it it is yeah and yeah I say to Jerry I dread the day that we get the call to say he's getting out I dread it like what can I say Mm. like I was just actually reading there about this Rules, rules, and everything else. Like I said, if the murder regarder or a Irish a prison officer while they're on duty, they can never apply for parole. I said, why are their lives more important than Gavin's and anybody else that was murdered? A life is a life. Yes, like you know, as I said, like Gavin was every bit as important as any guarder or prison officer that was ever murdered. Mm. So why should his murderer be allowed to apply for parole when other people are not because the murder the prison officer or regard. Mm. Like that's my feelings on it. Yes. So you're going to go and meet the board. Will that be early in the in the new year? I have no idea, Jerry. Yeah. I as I say, by email I had to give them consent and then last night I was looking up and I found the link they sent me where you can print out a form and post it into the parole board. So that's what I'm in the process of doing at the minute. I'm going to fill in the form and post it in because I have heard nothing since last May. Is it possible? Is it possible? Do you ever think it's possible for anybody to change or, or to feel even after all this time? You don't believe so that in this particular case with this guy? In this particular case, I don't mm. believe it. But a miracle happened. I don't know, Jerry. I will never forget 
the evil look in his eyes. That's all I can say. The picture of him coming out of Cabin Courthouse the Sunday evening after he did it, and he's sitting in the back of the patrol car, and the evil stare of him out the window. He hadn't even got his head down. He wasn't even hiding. It was as if he was proud of what he'd done. There are no, I don't know, Jerry. Yeah, My feelings will never yeah, change. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. I only say that because, you know... Um, I, I, I do know the first time he was up in front of the parole board, they recommended um, neutral venue visits with his family. They recommended he remain in the therapy within the prison and that he return to education within the prison. Now, I don't know whether he did those things. I did ask what was happening with him and what happened with neutral venue visits and they told me they never happened. Hmm. But I don't know whether they did or not, but according to the liaison officer, no, they were never. They never happened. So I don't even know whether he remained in therapy or whether he went back into the education system. I know nothing about him. Would it make any difference? Or will it make any difference if you find out anymore? But take it, you go and put your case and then they they decide what happens. As far as I'm concerned, Jerry, if he showed remorse within the prison, I do feel we should have been told mm. that he was sorry for what he did, which I don't believe he is. Sorry for what he did. And as I say, if he had any manners about him at all, he might try and write some kind of a letter to explain or say something about what happened. But he's keeping his mouth shut and we're being told nothing. And Gavin's gone 11 and a half years and we are no farther on. We don't know what happened Helena, I've said it to you on the occasions I met yourself and Jerry. I do not know how you get through every day. And I'll say it again, your family, yourself and your family, carry this life sentence with you forever. And there forever. is no there is no remission. There's no, no. getting away. There's no getting like away. As Jerry no said, release. every single week there's something. Hmm. It's another murder or it's, as Jerry said, there's just no getting away from it. It's you try to carry on with life, but there's not a day goes by that it's not spoken about. And you know, people think you're back to normal and everything is fine, but it's not. And it's certainly not for you, and I never will be. Look, I I, I thank you again for joining no, me on no the show problem, today. Yeah. You are such fantastic people. I've said it to you on a number of occasions. Yourself and Jerry and. No, Jerry. It's like I said to Jerry when Jerry Hand, the reporter, rang us during the week. We did not realise something was going to be in the paper. Mm. I thought he was just ringing to check up on McClelland, and then he rang us yesterday to say it was in the Irish Mirror. Mm. And I said to Jerry, one feeling is I don't want to keep publicising this, and the other feeling is well, I do want to keep it alive. Yes. So I'm torn between here you go again, yeah, having something printed or. Why don't you just leave it? And then I say no, because I don't want it to be forgotten. No, absolutely not. And uh, your son wouldn't want it to be forgotten either, let me say to you. Helena, thank you. And th- say thanks, he's beside you there to Jerry as well. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank yeah. you for giving us the airtime, Not Jerry. at all. We really I, I, appreciate I it. You. I thank you for joining me. Take care of yourselves. God bless. Okay, Bye-bye. take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Helena and Jerry O'Connor. Unbelievable pain, isn't it? Unbelievable. It really is. I don't know how they get up every day. I've said it before. We think of them today and their son and we'll watch with interest what happens in this shocking case.
Oh my God, Jerry, I'm heartbroken listening to that mum and dad, says a listener, and there are other uh, touching comments there as well. You couldn't but be heartbroken when you think of Helena and Jerry O'Connor who've lost not one but two sons in tragic circumstances. I am so lucky to receive every fortnight free gratis, and I'm so grateful for it, a copy of the Phoenix magazine. It's been published since 1983, and it's time for my annual chat with the man who's been there from the beginning. It's editor Paddy Prendeville. Afternoon again, Paddy. Hello, Cherry. You deserve a free copy. You're very good to us. <laughs> not, not at all. I love it. You keep me going, and honestly, the bits and pieces I get from it are absolutely fantastic. Well, congratulations again on the annual this year. I was just thinking in a general sense, Paddy, what a year. The two Liz's, the Queen and the Prime Minister, war in the world, North Korea, uh, climate. Ireland's been fairly steady. Now, now within reason, Paddy. Uh, Ireland's steady. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. There's uh, there's inflation. There's, yeah. um, there's our own part in... in uh, in um, the Ukrainian war, mm. uh, um, there's um, there's a fair few there's uh, there's a housing crisis. Yes, uh, there's uh, signs of edginess between uh, Leo and Michal, um, uh, with 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 Vlad, as we call him now, coming in in a week before Christmas as the new Taoiseach, um, who'll be uh, who'll be in the ascendant after the first year or so of that, uh, if it lasts that long. So it's been fairly rula bula um, mm. in Ireland as well, I think. You OK, know? well, listen, you're the man with the finger on the pulse. I just wanted to throw that by and see what reaction I get. By the way, Leo had great praise for Michal at the Fine Gael Ardesh weekend. You saw that. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing, Paddy, you're laughing. <laughs> I think he's saying he's been a good boy, you know, and... Um, <laughs> Why don't we get on together and why don't we have a transfer pack, uh, which has been rejected by Miho, mm. who um, uh, may think it will be more to Fine Gael's benefit than Fianna Fáil. Yes. Um, and that they don't want to get uh, to be seen, to be subsumed under the, um, under the leadership of, of, of Fine Gael, which, of course, is holding the Taoiseach's position gives them an opportunity to assert that image in the next while. Mm. The first uh, female Prime Minister, or should we say, we should say Taoiseach, of course, in this country, in waiting, Mary Lou gets a fair airing in the annual too? Well, we've done a special profile of her, which is kind of a different take on, on what Sinn Féin might or ought to be doing um, from their own point of view, it's written. Uh, and it's saying that instead of waiting uh, for somebody like Fianna Fáil to come along and make up the majority with them as a minority partner, they might, not, they might want to um, start asserting themselves more as, as an entirely, uh, you know, single party uh, wait, in, in waiting for government um, for various reasons. It's a really interesting thought piece on Sinn Féin, mm. and it goes against most of the coverage and most of even what their own leadership are projecting as their agenda. It, it's a really interesting piece. Um, it's, one, it's, it's about the best piece I've read on, I yes. didn't write it myself, yeah. um, that I've read on Sinn Féin for a long time. Mm. It, it, it doesn't go into all the stuff about, you know, all the... 
the kind of uh, media frenzy there is about Sinn Féin. It's a political analysis piece. Yeah, and it is it is really good and worth getting and reading as well. You see, Phoenix on the cutting edge, different angles all the time for sure. <laughs> uh, that's the way it's always been and always will be. Uh, poor Stephen Kenny is. Uh, you, you, you have a few takes on Stephen, and 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 it's he, he's hadn't had the best year as Irish soccer manager. Well, there's a there's a fairly hard-edged, slightly cynical take on, on Stephen Kenny. Um, given the record, he's still flourishing as manager. The, the suggestion that he's maybe riding his luck a bit. Now, you know, this debate about Stephen Kenny and the Irish football team and his management of goes on and on and up and down. Um so yeah, it's there. That, that, that you know, and you, readers can take what they like out of us. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 veering. It's fifty fifty. The jury's still out on Stephen mm. Kelly, I suppose. Mm. And and that that is the the fairest comment to make. And you know what? I never <laughs> never crossed my mind. But I, just when I was reading through it the last few days, Eurovision. And you know the way, Paddy. I don't have to remind you all kinds of everything. When we won it, we thought we were the greatest in the world and were the champions. We still hold the lead in terms of wins, but we're running out of road here. Seven out of the last eight years we haven't made the final you know the semi-final final thing uh, you, you, you don't think they're doing it on purpose do you <laughs> well I wanted <laughs> well I want, thank you you're very smart you're actually you're actually doing what I want you to do yeah well come on is it on purpose uh, all I know is that there's a distinct lack of enthusiasm <laughs> every time they won it. There was a collective groan at the higher echelons of, of RTE because the expenditure, the efforts, and, you know, they'd be wondering what they were getting out of it at the end of the day. I'll tell you what I thought, though, some kind of on the same subject was they gathered together for uh, a projected concert of all the previous winners, Irish winners, mm. and excluded Dana. yes. I mean, it's like Hamlet without the princess, you know? <laughs> well said, Paddy. Absolute disgrace. Anyway, bring back the turkey, although that could be a problem this Christmas too, with the way things are going. We better leave that one. Um, the happy pairs. Um, they weren't so happy in an aspect of the year this year. Uh, which happy pair are you talking Stephen about? Stephen and David Flynn, the, the foodie boys. Well, the, we have a comprehensive yes. coverage. I think they're mentioned in mm. in the analysis at the back end of the magazine, as are quite a few other people, um, with a big business profile of Kelly Martin. Um, and there's investors, you know, Ryanair, CRH, Kingspan. There's briefcase. There's Katrina Carey, who has had a pretty rough time as well, or mm. some might say delivered a rough time to other people. Um so yeah, there and um, and the happy pair are in there too. They are certainly now. Um, I have to say, I love the bog cuttings. I've mentioned this to you in the past. Affairs of the nation, the bog cuttings, and a couple that caught my attention. God, were mentioned uh, Dundalk Court a couple of times. Uh, I mentioned in there. I can't mention some of the colourful language in one of the cases, but the one I absolutely love in bog cuttings comes from Cork. I'm Dennis Erwin, says Daniel Spillane when arrested. <laughs> No, 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 no. I thought they're so funny. They really are. They're so funny. They're nearly unbelievable, aren't they? Well, that's the reason you have them there, isn't it? Well, yeah. There's there's another one here, which I thought you might like as well. There's an English guy, Timothy Hadfield. Um, Yes. 
when arrested for disruptive behaviour at Cork Airport. I'm not, I'm not in the Cork pub now, you know, the airport. And um, stated he believed in six or seven gods. He insisted, the 57-year-old Englishman, that a divine and sovereign human being, as a divine and sovereign human being, he should not even be in court. And unfortunately, his language deteriorated after that. And I know you're a family radio uh, station, so I won't repeat what he then said. But the judge eventually said, I mean this with the greatest sincerity. I hope I never see you again. <laughs> That was my favourite. Ah, it's great. It's great. You could pick any of them out of it, to be honest with you. Um, the idiot, An Idiot's Guide to the Idioms of 22. Are, I think these are very interesting, to be honest with you. You know, especially a spanner in the fish, colloquial term used to describe something not panning out as expected, generally amid suspicious circumstances. Also the title of a traditional Irish dance involving much nodding and winking. Irish dancing, Paddy, can you believe it? How has it happened? Nothing is sacred. Absolutely. Nothing is sacred anymore. It's, it's just, it even took my breath away. <laughs> <laughs> my, and I think of my little sisters and their Irish dancing classes in Coventry. Yes. Or in Rochdale, sorry, in Manchester. <laughs> and my niece in Coventry in her Irish dancing outfits. Um, and uh, I, 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 I have to stop uh, weeping. Um, it's, it's uh, what can you say, you know? Yeah, nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred. The epitaphs, 2022, just looking at some of the more prominent ones that people, well, the Queen, of course, will we ever forget this year and uh, the departure from this life of the Queen, Paddy, and all it entailed. I think they had the, they were still mourning when the month's mind was on. It looked like that anyway, didn't it? It, it longest serving monarch sometimes not amused after Princess dies demise turned herself abused accustomed to a nanus of the horribilis order somehow still maintained her rickety house of Windsor uh, uh, that was a good one it yeah. was uh, it David Trimble is a good one um, and uh, Lester Pigas yeah. Meatloaf yeah. Meatloaf is there too like a bat out of hell he made his flight now in paradise by that dashboard light could sing and could act but thought Trump wasn't mad. That's two out of three, which ain't all that bad. Quite clever. Yeah, That's a yeah, very yeah. clever. You are very clever people, I have to say, out there. You, um, you you obviously do employ people with such talent uh, for the pen and and the word too. When you think of it, like 1983 to today, you know, almost 2023, Paddy, next year, significant year for you. You're going strong fortnightly. And, and, and you know what I mean? It's a really substantial publication this year. I congratulate you. Well, thanks very much. There's, there's a lot in it, all right. 132 yeah. pages, Goldhawks Awards, Government, Opposition, The North. Yes. Good long piece on The North, actually. Yeah. Um, farm Frolics, Bug Cutting, Sport of Kings, Sporting Poem. Behind the scenes, High Society, Wigs on the Green, that's justice, really. And 20 or 30 pages of funnies, Business Profile, Future investments, briefcases, and also even packs in a shorter edition of the normal Phoenix in the in the front section. It does, and let me say as well, even a recipe for the Christmas ham and the good old crossword and lovely prizes for it too. Who does your caricatures? I think I asked you this before. Our They're, cartoons? Yes. Uh, well, there's several of them. You know, the Graham Keys is the most long-standing one. Sean Lennon's another one. Uh, Keen is another. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm probably leaving some of them out there. Um... Uh, they've been with us a long, long time as well. 
so they have brilliant absolutely brilliant from start to finish six euro 45 it's the best value in publishing this christmas time <laughs> and 63 euro for the year every fortnight you can't beat it and you'll be kept up to speed with everything and the caustic guy of course keeping an eye on all things as paddy told me at the start it's been a hell of a year in ireland there you are i'm just probably immune from it where i sit in this seat here every day paddy Thank you for joining me. Best wishes for the year ahead. The same to you and thanks for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Paddy. Bye. That's Paddy Prendeville there, legendary editor of the Phoenix magazine. And at a time when print and magazines are struggling, the Phoenix goes from strength to strength. The TG Cahar Ladies All-Star Team for 2022 was announced over the weekend and, understandably, Meath dominate with six All-Stars. Monica McGurk, Shauna Ennis, Emma Duggan, Stacey Grimes, Emma Troy and Avine Cleary. However, there's discontent in the county because there is a feeling abroad that some nailed on All-Stars were overlooked. I'm joined on late lunch this afternoon by a match commentator here on LMFM Radio, Davy Rispin. Afternoon, Davy. How are you, Jerry? How are things? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Now, you tweeted nearly immediately to say, hold on a minute, what about Vicky Wall, Orla Lally, Mary-Kate Lynch and Nevo Sullivan? Do you honestly believe they should be in there? I, I couldn't believe they weren't in it, Jerry. Um, and I think I wasn't the only one, certainly in Mead. But what the real barometer of it is the fact that other counties and people from other counties were saying the exact same thing as I suppose us Mead people were. We could <laughs> accused be accused of being a little bit biased, but I, I was astounded. I really was because I, I felt that Vicky, she, she's still the, the superstar. She's still the best player in the country. Um, Orla Lally had the year of her life. She was absolutely outstanding all throughout the year in midfield for Mead. Mary-Kate Lynch did what Mary-Kate Lynch does. She got an all-star last year. It was fully expected that, you know, she would uh, she would go on and pick up another one. And Nevo Sullivan, she was player of the match in the All-Ireland final. She was absolutely outstanding all year round. And I suppose I'm, I'm conscious that we, we've got six Mm. And it, it takes away from that in that like we should be talking about how great it is to get six and everything else. But I think the four that haven't got one are, are certainly huge absentees and um, nobody could really believe it when the news broke on late Saturday night. It's an it's an opinion really, isn't it? And I, I know for the boys, the journalists, the, the sports journalists, the GA journalists pick. Is it the same for the women? I take it that it is. You know what I mean? That the people covering the games make the selections. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the, certainly the way it works in the men's game, yeah. and I'm not entirely sure. I would imagine it is the exact same in the ladies. Now, you you could ask people from LMFM, the Mead Chronicle, whatever media outlets we have in Mead, and, and to the best of my knowledge, I don't think any of them were really asked about this, so I'm not entirely sure of that, but it was just strange how it, how it came to that, and I suppose the fact that Obviously, Vicky and Orla have been away playing Australian rules football as well. is is something that there's an alternative view with. So, um, it, it's just a bit of a puzzler altogether, Jerry. Do you think being away might have cost them? Possibly. Um, I, I think that's certainly one of the one of the areas it has to be. I mean, Emma Troy, for example fully deserving of, of an all-star in, in my opinion she was probably um, there thereabouts for player of the year she's she's in Australia at the moment actually but she's travelling so she's not playing Australian rules she gets the all-star Vicky and Orla who, who are over there and playing don't get an all-star <laughs> I think Orla even came back for the event as yeah. well from Australia so yeah 
Yeah, there there has to be something something a little bit more <laughs> you, to it, I think. You believe there's a connection. I'm sure the mm. judges will say, oh, not at all. That wasn't <laughs> on our mind at all. We weren't even thinking like that. Now, when you think of it, like if the four had uh, been selected along with the six, 10 out of 15, do you think me justify, you know, two thirds of the awards? Well, I think if you look at the nature in which they won the championship, Jerry, compared to even last year or the year before when they won the intermediate, it, it was it was it was probably their most comfortable of victory. Certainly in the final, it was against Kerry, and you also have to factor in they won the national league as well for the first time in Division One. So, so I suppose that has to be factored into the argument as well. I think the six is absolutely brilliant, and I'm thrilled for the likes of. Um, for the likes of Sean Ennis and Stacey Grimes because they picked up their first ever All-Star and mm. that's absolutely brilliant and it's a story in itself and I feel <laughs> to an extent we should be talking about that as much as what we are the other stuff but it's going to dominate naturally because of the, the high profile you know names not on the list mm. The uh, other counties I was just having a route around this morning knowing you were coming to talk to me and I see the dubs aren't happy either uh, there's a bit of discontent in other counties besides it's always the way it's very hard to, to satisfy everybody I'm sure you'll accept that Oh absolutely I've done I've done things like this myself with with the club all stars and it's uh, it's extremely difficult and it's a horrible position to be in because basically you are picking from the creme de la creme you know you're picking the best of the best and everybody's going to have an opinion as to why x y and z should be in it as opposed to who you do pick to be in it so I I absolutely understand that um but but at the same time I think generally when you pick these teams you will have five or six of the 15 who are absolute nailed on certainties to be in it and when four or five of them aren't I think that's what creates the, the bit of conflict and uh, the arguments uh, All that you'll have to do is go out and win three in a row next year <laughs> and be nominated for all 15, Davy. Come on, that's the challenge for the women of Mead next year. Well, well Jerry, doesn't it actually tell you how far Mead have yes, come? That, yes, yes, yes. You know, we're sitting here talking about getting six All-Stars um, yeah. on the back of what happened last year mm. and we're not content with it. I think that in itself shows the, the meteoric rise of the Mead ladies over the last three or four years. So, listen, it's, it's all a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I think it would have been nice and ultimately the three All-Irelands that they have in their back pocket is, is realistically all that matters but I listened to a good interview with Stacey Grimes after she collected her first All-Star over the weekend and you know she she talked about that but she said at the end of the day it is nice to get that little bit of individual recognition you know for the efforts yeah. that you put in from start to finish um, just to get acknowledged by your peers or by the media or by the LGFA whoever it is um, so that element of it is nice but ultimately as you say you know to come back out next year and try and do the three in a row in senior terms would be uh, would be the main goal and hopefully this will be a little bit of fire in the bellies for the ladies Sure thing they're all all stars in our eyes here on LMFM Radio for Sure, Davy. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome, Jerry. Chat Take soon. care. Bye bye. That's Davy Rispin there, match commentator with LMFM Radio on the ladies all stars. Now moving on on the show, you know how we love our wildlife and bird life especially. And one of our regulars is back with me on the show because uh, in the recent past we spoke about avian flu, but now there's a big threat to our garden birds that we all love so much. Nile Hatch, Birdwatch Ireland. Welcome back to late lunch. You're very welcome to the show, Niall. Trichomoniasis, what is this? 
Yes, so it, it's it's a very unpleasant disease. It's called, uh, it, I must stress now, it doesn't affect humans, but it's very much virulent uh, among certain types of bird. It's caused by a single cell organism, so not a, a virus or a bacteria, more like a, an amoeba type uh, organism that can infest water or food that the birds feed on. And in certain species, it causes swellings in their throats that eventually get so bad that the poor birds can no longer swallow food and they starve. Now, most birds don't suffer from this and can't contract it, but finches in particular are very susceptible to it, it seems. And indeed, through our Irish Garden Bird Survey in the last few winters, we've seen a marked decline in green finches in particular. It seems green finches are particularly susceptible to this disease. And the really worrying thing is that there's no cure for it once they have it about 90 percent of the infected birds die so it really is very serious and you know for listeners today who love to feed their birds at feeders at tables they put out baths from for them as well what should we do to help well, obviously, going in now in, in, the, in the colder weather period, it's very important to feed birds in the garden. And we would certainly urge people to continue to do that. It's very important to, to help your garden birds to get through the bad weather as best you can. What's really important to do is to make sure, though, that you maintain proper feeder hygiene. So clean your feeders every so often, maybe once a week. If, they, if they're not visibly dirty, if they're visibly dirty with dropping and so on, clean them more frequently than that in, in good soapy water and then, and, then, and then dry them. And also move the feeders around a fair degree so all of the, the, the droppings and so on aren't accumulating in just one area in the garden. The same with water as well. This is a waterborne disease, so it's very important that water is changed regularly in a bird bath or a water dish and isn't allowed to become contaminated. And most important of all, if you do see signs of this disease in your garden, for example, finches looking kind of puffed up or having obviously discomfort swallowing or seeming very lethargic, then we're, our advice is to stop feeding completely for a period of three weeks. The reason for that is, harsh though it seems, you have to allow time for the infected birds to die before they have a chance to pass on the infection to others through the through the through the, the food sources. So horrible though that sounds, it's really the only approach that can be taken. It's the law of nature, Niall, and it's the way it works out, even though we don't like to hear it at times. So just to refresh on that hygiene, uh, keeping clean, moving the feeding stations, uh, don't allow accumulations to happen on, on the ground beneath. And what about ground feeding in general? You know the way some people just ground feed to the exclusion of, of tables or hanging uh, feeders? Should we stop ground feeding? No, that's a very good thing to do because there are certain species, pretty robins and blackbirds and other members of the thrush family that aren't so adapt or adept at feeding on feeders or, or swinging or hanging from, from, uh, from feeders or from fat balls and things like that. They want to feed on the ground. So again, not using the same area all the time, maybe letting moving around a bit. And also you can use sort of feeding trays or flat platforms with a mesh-like structure that allows water to drain through. And that's a way to stop contamination as well. But it's good to help as many different kinds of birds as you can. And also a good way to help those those birds as well is to put out fruit for them. With fruit, there's very little waste and the birds tend to, to, to move it quite quickly. So things like apples cut in half and speared onto branches or put on the ground, that works very well too. And bananas, I mentioned this before, people might think when bananas are well gone off, they throw them out now, but birds love them. Well, they do, but bananas are full of sugar and full of potassium and other vital nutrients that birds need. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're a very good source of food and they're also very easy for birds to digest of many different species. So whether they're normally a seed eater or, or a fruit eater, whatever it may be, all birds can digest bananas. So it's a very good choice. You mentioned finches, sparrows, wood pigeons, pheasants and doves, are, I think, come under that same category with this disease. But blackbirds and robins you mentioned there, uh, they're immune from it. As far as we can tell, yes, it, it really only it only affects certain types of birds. So the finches tend to get it worse, and as you mentioned, there sparrows, 
pigeons and doves can get it. Uh, also, pheasants can catch it. And it seems that in some circumstances, hawks can catch it as well if they're feeding on infected birds. Obviously, the hawk isn't going to eat the food you put out in your garden, but it may feed on some of the sick birds that it finds there. But it seems birds like blue tits and uh, great tits, robins, blackbirds, wrens, birds like that don't seem to suffer from this disease. And I should stress as well that it's of no threat whatsoever to mammals, including us humans, as well as dogs, cats, rabbits, goats, sheep, horses, whatever it may be. We have nothing to fear from this disease at all. It's not like bird flu in that regard, where that uh, disease can, in some circumstances, jump to mammals. This has no impact on mammals, including ourselves. It's amazing, Niall, when the weather turns. It's been so mild, really unprecedented mildness up to this point. But in recent days, we where we are have experienced a heavy frost a couple of mornings. And I have some uh, ash trees with that are buried in the garden. Well, Niall, within hours of the of the the dawn coming up on the hard mornings, those berries were being attacked. Yes, it's amazing how quickly the, the, the birds uh, learn where the sources of food are when the emergency strikes and they know how to exploit it. And that's why having lots of plants with, with berries on them, particularly native plants like that, are really important at this time of year because we will get more cold spells and the weather is bound to, to, to get worse over the coming weeks. And that's when the birds really, really will rely on those berries and also the shelter around, around gardens too. And we should always bear in mind that the species like, like wrens and goldcrests and tree creepers, birds like this, are very common across Ireland, but they rely almost entirely on insects. So even in the very coldest weather, they're not able to eat berries or go to feed on peanuts or seeds at your bird feeder. They need to find insects, even if the weather is, is well below freezing. So having native plants around that provide shelter and also support native insects that in turn feed those birds is an absolutely vital way to ensure their survival as well. In one of those trees, I was out in the garden extensively Saturday and Sunday, but I was thrilled, Nile, to see the storm thrush or missile thrush as it may be known as well the size of man him there feeding away on the berries and wasn't too concerned about me either are, are they widespread Missile thrushes are, are pretty widespread in Ireland. You tend to find them in areas where you have quite mature trees and also large expanses of lawn or playing fields. I often associate them with playing pitches, uh, sometimes with golf courses, places like that too that have mature trees around them. Uh, and as you observed yourself, when the weather gets bad and they're very hungry, they're, they naturally have a fear of humans and they can tend to override that if it means that they can access food. If it's a matter between life and death and they're starving, they'll come to feed on food like that. And what people sometimes do is that they write to us in Burlachar and complaining about a missile thrush taking up residence in their garden, what they'll do is they'll find uh, a tree such as a rowan maybe or a holly that's covered in berries and they'll defend that. They'll try to chase away all the other smaller birds that come in to try and eat those berries. And people get upset about that. But of course, that's only nature. The, uh, the missile thrush doesn't care if the robins or the blue tits or whatever survive the course of the winter. It only cares if it survives. So it's trying to have an insurance policy there to make sure that it can preserve this lard or as long as possible that may for it be the difference between life and death when bad weather hits and it can no longer, for example, probe into the ground to find worms for example, they have to, they then have to rely on these berries. So um, tolerating them, letting them do that is very important. And again, the missile thrush is a bird that would benefit from apples very much. They love apples. So again, cut them in half, spear them onto branches and the missile thrush will, well, if not quite, well, thank you for that. We'll certainly benefit from that. You can get a good feeling when you see them thriving on those in your garden. Isn't it funny? The tree he was in has still berries in it and the others haven't. So perhaps <laughs> his defence is up and running there of that particular tree. The other thing, back to the robin, uh, Niall, they are so curious and they really really are fearless because I had at least one with me all weekend and he nearly followed me round into my little tunnel as well where I grow vegetables in right beside me. They're fearless, aren't they? Are they friendly or fearless? Which? 
uh, it's probably more the latter. We humans like to flatter ourselves that animals like us and want to be our friends. It's, it's more so that the robins have learned that we humans aren't that bad, that we're um, an easy meal ticket, really. Uh, so what, what they've discovered is that other birds are reluctant to approach us so that when we're around, if the robins are close to us, they can exploit food that's close to humans that the other birds won't take. So it means that they can outcompete other birds that otherwise might be bigger or more dominant over them. Like blackbirds, for example. A blackbird is a bigger bird. Normally, it would be able to push the robin away from sources of food like like worms and berries but the blackbird is much more scared around humans and just won't tolerate us to the same degree so we humans like to see that as, as friendship or, or the fact that these birds like us in fact what it is really is that they've learned that we are an easy source of food and they kind of exploit us but you know i'm quite happy with that they're such gorgeous birds lovely to watch lovely to listen to that i'm delighted to have them around me in the garden so it's really good that they're quite that they're so tame around us and they trust us in that way and today, before we finish, for listeners who, and we have lots of listeners who, who love when you join us. I know this, Niall, on the show. As regards the feeding, back to the garden birds again. Consistency important, and especially as the weather gets hard, to make sure there's sufficient there to keep them going. If you start, you must continue. Yes, it, that, that that really is a, is, is a very good mantra to, 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 to use because the fact is that the birds will come to depend on that more and more and it can really be the difference between life and death for them and some of them may then take up residence in your garden in the expectation that that food will be there. So when the weather is, is reasonably mild as it has been recently, the birds don't need that food so much but as it gets colder, they will rely more and more on that food in your garden and especially when temperatures go below zero it can be very hard for some species to find food and also to find water and that's something that's often forgotten about. Uh, birds need food of course but they also need regular supply of water and um, both to drink just like we do and also to bathe in because strange as it may seem the colder it gets the more birds have to bathe because they need to keep their feathers in absolutely pristine condition because that's their insulation from the outside world from the cold it's like having a duvet wrapped around you the whole time so so long as their feathers are in good condition they can survive very cold temperatures but if they don't have access to unfrozen water then that can be a real challenge for them so even just a few hours each day during the coldest parts of the winter having a little basin or bowl of water in the garden perhaps with a couple of stones in it so you have a deep end and a shallow end to allow the birds to go into to different depths that can really make a big difference for them alongside the food and will you take this question just before we finish the, solidi- the solidified grease Jerry on my roasting tray from beef or chicken or anything else is that good to give to them it depends on the kind of fat that you're talking about there. So when it comes to poultry fat like chicken or turkey, you know, in the run up to Christmas, that isn't good for birds um, because it tends to be um, less firm and less solid at normal temperatures. So it doesn't set very hard, which means it can go rancid quite easily and also can foul the bird's feathers. However, solid fat from things like uh, like pork and beef, for example, uh, if that's good, solid, you know, solid at room temperature and, and isn't smearing or, or, or running, that will work very well for birds. And what you could do with that, actually, if, it, if one it's still quite liquid you can soak things like uh, like porridge oats in it uh, or even breadcrumbs or or coming in the run up to christmas a fragments of a fruit cake can be a good thing to do as well uh, and then you can put that out for the birds it's packed in nutrition full of calories full of all sorts of vitamins and minerals that they need so that's a very good thing to do just though if you cook the meat with, with salt on it i would avoid putting that out because that salt can get into the fat and that's quite toxic for birds and i mentioned there about fruit cake and um, things like christmas pudding and christmas cake for example in the gardens that's great for birds but if you have dogs around or you have foxes be very mm. careful with that because they contain raisins and raisins are actually toxic to dogs and to foxes uh, you don't want to give those out if, if there's a chance that uh, something other than the birds might eat them 
Thank you so much, Niall. I and we love our garden birds and I do encourage you to join Birdwatch. I'm a member myself, a wonderful organisation and they have a great catalogue of gifts. If you're stuck for something or you're trying to think what to get somebody for Christmas to encourage birds into your garden, there is nothing nicer. Until the next time, thanks a million, Niall. Louise, we spoke to Sophia McCaffrey on Friday on the show. She got a haircut. Almost, she did? Almost four feet of hair on Saturday. She's only 13. She raised, what, €1,200 Euro mm. for Back Into Daylight Sanctuary, an Fabulous, animal charity. It? Fabulous. And well done to Hester McKenna, who stepped in. And drove all the way from somewhere near Dundalk, I understand. Hester, you're a star. We love you. Honestly, well done to you. And cut the hair and did it professionally and brilliantly as well. Well done to all concerned there. Great, great story. And the mum, Georgina, was laughing. She reckons that since she got a cut, she's gone through a growth spurt. (laughs) (laughs) It was holding her back. It was, yeah, it was keeping her down. The the length of the hair. England 5, Iran 1 with 10 minutes to go in the game. But you've been watching that game. There's going to be a big talking point, isn't there, from that match? Yeah, Yeah. there seems to be a bit of controversy. I think you mentioned it before. There was 14 minutes played in the first half extra time. And it was due to stoppage time because the Iran goalie collided with um, a, a fellow team member in saving a goal mm. and he got a head injury. So right. he went down and they gave him treatment and then they allowed him to play on despite he having to change his shirt because it was covered in blood. Oh my, oh my. So then he lay down again so then they had to take he him had off. had to go off. There's going to be a lot of chat mm. about that. You have to err on the side of caution with a head injury. Always. I'm amazed that has happened. Anyway, England are home and hosed in the first game. One of your teams are playing today. <laughs> yes. Which one? Holland are playing at four o'clock. They're up against Senegal. Louise has Holland and Argentina. Should be the Netherlands, I believe. Yes, the Netherlands. Netherlands. I call them Holland. Whatever you want. Netherlands, Holland. One of the same. Luisa's Holland and Argentina. Mm. I've Brazil and Portugal as an outsider. And tell them, remind them again why you picked Argentina. I want to hear this again. Go on, remind them. Remind them. Because I have a sister called Martina and years ago when we were kids we used to sing to her Don't Cry For Me our Martina. <laughs> Don't cry for me, our Martina. I love it. I love it. Well, that's if Argentina win the World Cup, I hope they win it now just for that alone. I really do hope they win it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, coming up on Late Lunch after three this afternoon, uh, we'll be joined by Breed O'Connell, CEO of Guaranteed Irish, who are doing their bit uh, in the current climate crisis. And I have Artists of the Week for you. I think you'll love I'd love to do them again as my Artist of the Week. Can I, Louise? Can I bring somebody back for a second time as my Artist of the Week? Who are they? ABBA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure, if it was anybody, it'd have to be ABBA. They're simply brilliant. Anyway, news, weather and sport on the way. But before all that, it's the Dancing Queen. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. My Artists of the Week this week were formed in 1998 by Ron Tom, who was then manager of All Saints, another girl group. And this girl group composed of Siobhan Donaghy, Keisha Buchanan and Mutia Buena. 
and were collectively known as the Sugar Babes. And though the lineup changed through the years, that original lineup are actually back together now. They came back together in 2011 because they went their separate ways at different times. I'll tell you about that during the week. Uh, and they had to wait until just a couple of years ago to secure the name or make it their own legally, Sugar Babes. And they're working away on new music, which is expected will be released in the new year. In terms of success, the group have achieved five top ten albums and listen to this, six number one singles in the UK with only the Spice Girls bettering that record. So it just shows you how uh, big they've been over the years. Their debut album called One Touch uh, spawned a number of hit singles including Overload that reached number six on the UK singles chart released in 2000 and touring on the back of it in August 2001 the first thrist happened. Siobhan Donaghy quit the group and as I said it would be the first of a number of departures and new members coming and going and it's something that typified Sugar Babes and they became famous for it themselves too. I begin the week of music of the Sugar Babes with a hit from 2008 and their sixth album called, this is appropriate isn't it, Cat Fights and Spotlights. It made number three in the UK. Yes, here come the girls. Sugar Babes, my artists of the week this week on your late lunch with girls. Does it sound familiar? Does it ring a bell with you? Besides, it's musical prowess. TV advert, wasn't it? Boots! I'm sure it was for Boots, that TV ad, that that one was used at some stage. Anyway, more about the Sugar Babes in words and music at this time tomorrow afternoon. World Cup Wales are playing this evening at 7 o'clock. So, big interest in that one from an Irish point of view. We'll be shouting for the Welsh, won't we, Louise? We'll be shouting for the Welsh this evening, so we'll have to shout for them. So we will... They're our neighbours. They're our friends. What are those? Cha- what are their chances like? Oh, I'd say they have a decent chance. They're playing the USA tonight. America, huge, massive America against little Wales this evening. But I think you'd expect Wales to win it, being a soccer match. But the USA, they're good themselves. I have to tell you, the United States aren't a bad team at all. But uh, that's the game at seven o'clock. And before that, your crowd, as I mentioned, are out the Netherlands against. They won't Senegal. be playing in the rain anyway. No. <laughs> no, big difference between Qatar and Ireland today, isn't it? Yes, uh, what a contrast when it comes. We're drowned here, drowned, so we are. And then Qatar, it's just beautiful looking out there. It'll be I the believe heat. that they've made, the, they've actually built the stadiums that will kind of suck the air mm. in from outside and make it cooler. Yes. To cool but- them down. That's the amazing, and, and there was quite a few Irish companies, you know, involved in that technology and providing that as well uh, in, in the building of the stadiums. But that's that's what they've had to do, you know, to combat the intense heat out there that uh, would uh, make it nearly impossible, actually, to play football. Actually, that's one thing you mentioned. I was watching the game. We have it here on television today. The players looked quite relaxed at that as well in the, the atmosphere that they were playing in. So obviously that air conditioning is uh, working away there in the stadia. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, just letting you know what's coming up tomorrow afternoon. Sharon Doherty, she's a brilliant woman. Uh, she lost a heap of weight some years ago. I spoke to her, but she was involved in a car crash in recent times and it knocked her off kilter, but she's back 
in the game uh, now and uh, flying again. He's going to tell us a story tomorrow on the show. Uh, we'll be also talking to the Beacon Clinic about freezing your eggs for anybody in the uh, whole area of fertility, etc. That's on the show tomorrow. Peter Kearns is joining me. Jimmy Weldon, the late, great Jimmy Weldon photographer. Peter is remembering him this Christmas time and with the fruits of his labour in terms of a brilliant calendar, he's donating all that money to charity and two on Tuesday tomorrow. What will it be? Well, you'll just have to join us to find out. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Have a nice Monday. Hopefully the worst of the rain is gone. Enjoy the soccer that's continuing throughout the evening. Eddie Caffrey's coming next here on LMFM Radio after late lunch, should I say, today. And uh, we're going to leave you today with a classic from Simon and Garfunkel. It's Cecilia and I dedicate this one to my friend, Miss Cecilia Quine. See you tomorrow, 1.30. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 660 4237. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 